0: Well, Callum, welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. That was a enthralling weekend for a change.
1: Very, very exciting. Very good weekend. Great Aberdeen victory, Newcastle United won, and the mighty Miami Heat won the basketball as well. What more could you ask for? I know, we need to get rid of that American nonsense off your timeline. I mean, I have to deal with Formula One and Line of Duty stuff, so... It's only fair I put some bizarre stuff out there. And when Bam had a bio, it's a game-winning shot, one hundred and seven, <laughs> one hundred and seven against the Brooklyn Nets. Do you expect me to not tweet about it? A buzzer-beater. Come on.
0: To be fair, it's quite easy to just just mute or unfollow without having, if you don't like what you see. Um, and hopefully, we're going to continue to like what we see from Stephen Glass as his era got well underway as the Dons continue their march to the Scottish Cup. Well, we're through. <laughs> That's exciting,
1: isn't it? I don't know it was. It was a whirlwind of a game. Um, I was thoroughly entertained for once. Uh, I definitely did like what I saw. And if people at home are liking what they see, oh, this is just flowing off the tongue. Make sure to leave a like on the video and subscribe as well while you're here, so you not to miss out in future.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, we did like what we saw by um, still staying in the cup. And it's fair to say, as we've touched on there, we were entertained for a first time in a long time. But there was, you know, spells of turgid football, but, you know, you can't expect miracles straight away from a new man. But most important thing when you're in a cup competition is getting through to the next round. And by hook or by crook, we've managed to do it and we probably rode our luck at times as well. I think it's fair to say we did. It was um,
1: very much, a bit especially the opening minutes of the game, chaotic. You could tell it was mm-hmm. a cup tie. Like it was podcast chaotic. oh yeah chaotic. but it was high tempo it was all over the shop and I loved it very much like this podcast exactly um, but we got through we got through in the end that's the absolute main thing as you said and that's after three days of Stephen Glass having them on the training pitch uh, uh, going through his routine so I'm very happy with that and if it'll
0: get better from here on out it can only be good things feeling very positive Glenn yeah, and I'm impressed. You know, you watched obviously the game, but also rewatched the highlights this morning mm-hmm. as well to refresh yourself. So um, fully prepared for a digest of the game. Um, and you know, the title that I'd gone with to to look back at the game was the old guard proving their worth. Um, mm-hmm. As I think, when the the team was announced, there was maybe a bit of a a surprise by by some that there wasn't maybe youth products. It included in the starting lineup, he went very much experienced. And you can't fault him for that, I guess. I mean, it paid off um, despite my complaints. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: He said. I, know, wasn't,
0: was, I wasn't naming yeah. names at people complaining. <laughs> no, I don't know what you talking about.
1: Um, also, thanks for mentioning that I've watched the game and watched highlights now. If I cock up now, I've allowed myself to blame. Um, yeah. But no, he named the lineup. He said prior to the game he might uh, mix things up, it might be something that we don't expect. Didn't expect that. I expected more youth to be getting a chance. It went the other way than I thought, in all mm-hmm. honesty. But <clears> it paid off. It did pay off. The old guard did pay off and sort
0: of rolled back the years a little bit there, didn't they? Yeah, it was. It was prime time, early doors. Um, McInnes obviously getting his early return to Potardry as well through Premier Sports. That was interesting. It was very funny. Uh, them to do. They were definitely hoping that we got
1: knocked out in a disastrous fashion and they didn't get it, thankfully. Uh, no, thankfully not. Yeah, waiting for his little smug face when that <coughs> happened, but thankfully it didn't happen.
0: No, and I suppose, like you said, the the opening exchanges in the game were very much end-to-end, and Nicky Devlin having a great opportunity to score for Livingston. Um, but we actually looked threatening going forward, mm. just as kind of has been the story of our season, the final third very much letting us down.
1: Yeah, we looked good. We created chances a few in the first half, and um, not only that as well. Very energetic in the press as well, which mm. I enjoyed a little bit more. A lot more urgency about the, about the place, which God knows we've needed. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. And I suppose, you know, the players have spoken on the the increase in intensity in training. You know, one thing McInnes pr- prided himself on was having a, f- a fit team. So I don't think fitness was ever going to be a concern as the game wore on. But you could certainly see the intensity that's possibly been applied in training, certainly relayed on the pitch and um, mm-hmm. throughout throughout not only the 90 minutes, but extra time as well.
1: More I mean, you seem to be moving the ball about a bit quicker as well. A bit yeah. of a higher tempo, which because we know it's been side to side, very boring for years.
0: So it's a bit of a bit more encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose though our, our frustrations did continue in front of goal in the first half, but at the other end of the pitch, there was a, a big cause for concern when Joe Lewis went down clutching his mm. his ribs. It hasn't yet been announced the severity of the injury, whether it's bruising or or a fracture, but uh, that was definitely a concern at, the, at that stage in the game wasn't it 100% um, I think it's due to go, undergo an
1: X-ray before the Celtic game but the thing is with that as well it's not it wasn't through anyone's fault really sort of Guthrie and Hope, when sort of tangled little tangled legs fell into Joe Lewis very mm-hmm. very unfortunate um, the fact he carried on I was quite surprised with initially first yeah, so place I- nice, to be honest because he was writhing about on the floor very much clearly in pain yeah. um, <laughs> But a a big sore sore loss. Hopefully he's back for the end of the season in all honesty. Um, But Woods did came in, did okay. He wasn't tested too much. Distribution looked decent. Happy enough. We couldn't ask much more from him really, could we?
0: Uh, Yeah, and I suppose he wasn't probably the one thing he was hoping not to have to do was pick the ball out of the net with his first touch. But, Mm. Credit to J. Emmanuel Thomas, one for taking full advantage of very slack play from Johnny Hayes, but then linking up quite brilliantly with Scott Pittman and that first touch to to take it past the defender and slot it home very coolly. We were just very much punished for, for poor defending.
1: Yeah, not to take away from J. Miles Thomas's goal, as like you said, the link-up play with Pittman, very, very good. But J. Manuel Thomas, big lad, great feat. It's the classic, isn't it? But I'm not sure what Johnny Hayes was really trying to do there, trying to no. let the ball out, I guess. But yeah. in the replay, it shows that he could, um, J. Michael Thomas actually had his hand on him. So yeah. how, did he didn't, how did he not know he was there? What did he think was going to happen there? Um, very much punished. Uh, other than he's assist maybe didn't have the best game, but if he wants to roll back the years with that kind of thing going forward, fine by me. I won't mm-hmm. complain. We ended up getting through. Positivity for once,
0: Glenn. Yeah. PMA, PMA. Mm-hmm. And I suppose in the in the first half, you know, we did did create chances. Matty Kennedy putting a, a great ball into the box that mm-hmm. Fraser Hornby does connect well with, but I suppose it's a, a save you expect Street check to make. Mm-hmm. And then you know, we spoke about rolling back the years going forward. Niall McGinn and Johnny Hayes, Niall McGinn winning the ball brilliantly in the middle of the field, breaking forward, but just that final pass just behind Johnny Hayes, it wasn't played into his feet that he could run onto, and that really killed the, the tempo of the move. But other than those kind of opportunities, we didn't really see much in terms of clear cut chances for Aberdeen. No, on that one specifically, though, it was good to see a little bit of bite from
1: Niall McGinn going and winning the ball. Mm. Okay, the the past journey was poor um, but it was just good to see a little bit of urgency from him he's not the fastest man the pace is gone let's be honest mm-hmm. but it was a little bit urgency a little bit of creativity unfortunate uh, with the ball but <clears throat> thankfully it didn't prove to cost us too much in the end
0: Yeah and no, I think Niall McGinn certainly rolled back the years and certainly showed the mm-hmm. potential that he still has um, albeit obviously I don't see him as a regular starter for you know throughout the whole season but certainly showed maybe given that he's out of contract any potential suitors that are watching what he's, he's more than capable of, of doing. <clears throat> but when Livy went 1-0 up, did you kind of fear the worst given our poor record of scoring goals so far this season? I was a little bit concerned.
1: Um, I th- that's only taking into account what we've been like the rest Yeah, the rest of this season. Not taking into account what we're going to be like under glass, who knows what that's going to be like. But it's an encouraging sign that the fact we went behind twice, called it back twice, okay, it's against Livingston, no disrespect to them, but we've got a bigger squad, whatever, better squad you could say. Um, but I suppose, yeah, encouraging signs. I was very worried though, I won't lie. I thought it was going to be not again, mm-hmm. capitulation, I thought it was going to mm-hmm. happen. Or they sit in and we just fail to break them down. Thankfully yeah. that wasn't the case.
0: For me, that was my biggest concern. What you've just said there was Livingston. I, I mean, okay, since they since they beat us at Petardry, they haven't won away from home. But normally, a team that pride themselves on their defensive work and mm-hmm. and do their best to protect protect a lead. So, for a team like ourselves that has been so blunt in recent weeks against a team that has something to to hold on to, I, I really was fearing the worst at one 0 but. I think a mixture of surprise in terms of how much we didn't give up and, you know, exploited gaps down the wing. But I was actually surprised by Livingston's game management in the second half. And it was really the pivotal moment in the game. The one time they ventured forward and did catch us out. Nikki Devlin's ball of back across probably chose the wrong option, led us breaking up the other end of the pitch. And ultimately, Neil McGinn with a superb finish. I mean, the replay from behind the goal just shows how good a touch it was to then finish it in between Fitzwater and Guthrie.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely stunning finish. Something we've seen from now again a lot over the years, perhaps not as frequently as I liked recently. Um, but yeah, absolutely beautiful from him. And it's interesting, you mentioned that we didn't give up and all that sort of thing. It's what they said, what it said on Red TV uh, with Glass, I don't know if you've maybe seen it, released it on Twitter, saying that they kept the from the touchline the instruction was to just keep playing the same game, don't panic, just stick to the game plan, mm-hmm. pay dividends in the end, but um, yeah, very good finish from now again, more of that towards the end of the season, would be very much welcome.
0: Yeah, starting on Wednesday, would be even more welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you think though, I was listening to Martindale's comments, at the end of the game, they felt aggrieved at going out, with the, the competition, do you think, I was also listening to the Talk Livvy podcast, where they probably felt that, Livingston left, let Aberdeen off the hook throughout the 90 minutes do you think Livingston have the right to feel aggrieved by exiting the cup competition? Um,
1: I think so I think the fact it went all the way to penalties is probably very telling of how the game was I think it's a fair reflection to be honest Um, not much between the sides I suppose since they maybe did let us off the hook when um, they've obviously got the leads twice and then Mm -hmm. threw it away twice but it's nothing less than we deserved equally at the same time really
0: hmm Yeah, and I suppose there was the a couple of contentious um decisions going on. Um, you know, the, the penalty that Livingston got, but mm-hmm. equally I suppose Tommy Hoban lucky to stay on the pitch and not see red for uh I think it was very obvious second yellow when when he hauled down, I think it was Pittman or Robinson. Um uh, in the set in in extra time, the ball mm. went wide and the referee played advantage. Mm. And you know, I was very surprised when he did play advantage. But when when the play stopped, you know, you look at you know you as a Newcastle fan, you look at mm. that game at the weekend when Newcastle went on to score. He pulls the play back and sends Craig Dawson off. I was very surprised because it was a it was a pretty reckless challenge from Tommy Hobin, who again didn't really cover himself in glory throughout the game on Saturday.
1: It's been an interesting case with Tony Hilbert I think yeah, he was lucky that he didn't get pulled back, let alone given the foul order in the first place. Um, he seems to look a lot more comfortable on the right side of the sort of three centre halves at the back. Now that they're in the two, yeah. doesn't look so comfortable. And against big presidents like uh like J Manuel Thomas as well seems to struggle. And um, mm-hmm. the very curious case, also his contract up at the end of the season as well. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. See what happens there between now and the end of the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and you know that one interesting stat I did like from the game was Niall McGinn scoring the first goal of the Stephen Glass era, also scoring he also scored the first goal of Derek McInnes era eight years ago. So it just, you know, like we said, really were rolling back the years there. One hundred percent. Yeah. I suppose from a Livingston point of view, they will be disappointed in the in that equalizer. Wrong choice. yeah. Um, failing to pick out an attacker, which would probably kill the game if it had gone 2-0. Mm. But John Guthrie kind of just throwing out a leg to try and stop the pass. But I thought, I don't know, maybe kind of reading too much into it, I thought our attacking play and, and set pieces, apart from Lewis Ferguson blasting the ball aimlessly <laughs> wide from the set piece at the end of the first half, we looked a lot more threatening. Um, um, Dean Campbell had a couple of good deliveries in um, second half with Ferguson's header down into the ground. There's maybe evidence of the work that Alan Russell's putting in already. God knows we need it. Let's be
1: honest. We've been poor for, from set pieces for years, but yeah, it's in, it's encouraging signs. And obviously, that's only after three days on the training ground working mm-hmm. Alan Russell and Steam Glass with the team. Mm-hmm. So if we can keep that up, keep on that upward trajectory, I believe <laughs> the word is. If I've said it rightly, who knows? Um, it can only be a good thing. Let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But also, just going back towards just towards that equaliser. Flo Camberi, the man, that picked it up from deep as well before mm. getting it out to Johnny Hayes. Good work from him for that as well. Fair play,
0: it's got to be said. Yeah, he did have a good game, I suppose. Uh, there was a few, for me, frustrations um, with his performance in terms of it. At 2-1, when he had the chance, when he was through on goal, he kind of cut back. For mm. me, I felt needlessly. and Thankfully, you know, just a few seconds later, he gets on the end of the crossbow. we we will come to that. Um, First of all, though, we should really talk about the penalty that um, Livingston were awarded. The jet crash landed to the pathology Turf under the slightest of contact from Dean Campbell. There we go. Got my pun in for the episode. I liked it. I liked it. I'm not even going to complain about
1: that one, in all honesty. Penalty for you then? Um, No. I think silly from Campbell, perhaps showing an experience, especially Mm. to jump... To leave the yeah. ground was seemed a bit weird, and mm-hmm. um, but so soft, minimal contact on a big lad like J Manuel Thomas as well enough from Little Dean Campbell to make you go down. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. And um, have said that, up the other end we're probably screaming for it, but that's just the way football is. Uh, but no, soft for me, one hundred percent, and it cut off probably a pretty poor referee performance from. A man I didn't even recognize, to be honest.
0: Yeah, a man that looked like Sid from Toy Story. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who he is. I've never seen him no. before. And and again on that on that incident, you know the the Talk Levy boys they agreed it was a soft penalty and probably never a penalty, which was in stark contrast to Christy Willumo on Sports Scene, who said it was a hundred percent a penalty because the referee will have heard the contact from Dean Campbell on um, Joe Manuel Thomas's foot, but. I, I did actually note that down about kind of the naivety of Dean Campbell, the way he kind of jumped into the tackle. Mm-hmm. But if you're giving that as a penalty, then the game's gone because that's it's yeah. just a ridiculous decision.
1: You I mentioned Chris Cibillamo saying that he had the contact. Just because there's contact doesn't mean there's a penalty. And especially when there's a huge boy like Giammatos
0: throwing himself <laughs> to the ground from such minimal contact as well. Mm-hmm and you wonder if that then plays a mind in kind of the the Tommy Holbin decision does that level things out you know we've had John Bleasdale on the podcast before saying that that doesn't referees don't think like that they shouldn't but you never know do you you never know human nature <clears throat> but as we've spoken about already in this episode, the, the character that we sh- we've shown throughout the game not only to come back from behind once, but it was quite an immediate response this time um getting back at, getting back to two-2 and that man, Flo cambery a man who we were very well I was certainly very mm-hmm. critical of in the last round against Dunbar and getting on the end of an Nile McGinn assist to, to bring it all square.
1: Very, very well-worked goal. Fair play, Flockenberry. By the way, first game under Stephen Glass, Flokanberry's already broke the duck. Mm.
0: That's
1: all I'm saying. Um, but it was also very, very good to see him come off the bench, have a huge impact like that. It seems very interesting that the strikers who start the game, not not yeah. cutting it. And then whoever comes on seems to have an impact.
0: Yeah.
2: I
1: mean, it's exactly what you want from a substitute, but it's not great for the starters.
0: But I'm happy that Flockenberry came on and did so. Took his chance well. It took his chance well, and I think it was a well worked link up play um, between, I don't know if it was Dean Campbell or was it was a Calm Hendry. Calm Hendry. Was it to the ball into to Niall McGinn, obviously with the outside of his foot, but mm. Camberry was so alert to, as mm. soon as that ball was played into McGinn, he was off mm-hmm. and he left Jason Holt for dead, who was just standing ball watching. I mean, it couldn't happen to a nicer yeah. man, but mm. um, capitalising on, on that mistake there from, from Livingston. And you could see the frustration from the Livingston players mm-hmm. when they... Like, how's how's he got free? How's he finished that off? And yes, you you know, as we say, you know, you ride ride your luck at times, but you've got to be there and you've got to finish your chances. And Canberra hasn't been doing that recently. So for him to, to finish that will not only give him confidence, hopefully for, for the rest of the season, but it did give us confidence throughout the rest of extra time because I felt after that there was only ever really going to be one team winning that game.
1: 100 i yeah, I felt like if it was going to finish uh, in extra time gonna penalties that we were going to come out on top. Um, but, yeah, very happy for Flo Camberry. It seemed to be, it seemed to work very well. He dropped deep for that goal and then worked mm-hmm. up the uh, link-up play through the interplay, finished it off. Very good in, uh, instinctly, As you said, couldn't happen to a nice man, Jason Holt. Everyone that I've spoke to about the game has said the exact same thing about that and the penalty. Thank God it was Jason Holt.
0: Yeah. The Rangers' connection. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of penalties then, five out of five from penalties. Um, you know, People say it's a lottery, but I know certainly under McInnes, he made sure that we were practising penalties. Um, I wonder if the Niall McGinn substitution was tactical with penalties coming up because he's not got a good record in them. Yeah, hey, you said it. You said yeah. it. I'm
1: glad he wasn't on the part because he would have been in the five and mm. we all, I think he's missed like the last three or something in penalty shots yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Ferguson, he was lucky. He was a lucky boy. That was a poor penalty. Um, mm. Just sort of got it past uh, Strzajek's legs. Mm-hmm. Other than that, very confident penalties. Very cool, calm, collected. Yeah. Fair play, Dean Campbell, especially for giving away his penalty. The criticism he's been receiving recently. I would hate to think the criticism he would have got if he stepped up and missed that Ben yeah. but he
0: showed he's got big steens put it away very very nicely Yeah and actually even the way Camberra tucked his mm-hmm. away um, yeah I, I was kind of trying to we're having a discussion in the group chats on who your five would would have been um, I did think Campbell would want to take one um, I didn't expect him to be up so high in, in taking one um, I thought maybe he'd have been like six or seven if it if it went that far. But fair play to him for for having the ball to do so. And I, I know thought, it's also. Sorry.
1: No? I just going to show off here. I thought Campbell would be in mind. So it was one game for I think Scotland under nineteens. Maybe they beat. I think maybe it was Spain two one, and he scored both penalties. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. There
0: you go. Carry on. I'll well, finish showing off now. Yeah. Well, he was certainly, certainly cut, um, coolly slotted away. But I know the Livingston uh, guys, they had complaints that their keeper couldn't have made it any easier for our penalties by hardly moving.
1: Oh, yeah. He didn't make much effort, did he? Didn't make much effort at all. But thankfully, no. our keeper didn't have to make much effort either. Cause that penalty from Jason Holt, he didn't look confident at all.
0: Lovely. No, but after following up uh, link those or however you say it, because that's just going to get. A total tongue twister for me mm. when he uh, rattled his into the roof of the net it was almost like he was trying to copy that but I actually mm. thought on first viewing they actually had bounced over the line just the way it kind yeah. of quickly came out but when you watch the replay okay it was nowhere near the line but just how fortunate we were that that didn't ricochet in off Gary Wood's behind and, and and go in but he went the right way for that penalty and he was I mean Aaron. not uh, Taylor Sinclair his penalty was excellent but mm-hmm. Gary Wood's again going the right way so yeah well, definitely I uh, mean it would have been sorry could you imagine that some debut if it had gone in off Buddy Wood's backside that would have been mm-hmm. terrible I know but that's two penalty shootouts in a row now that Joe Lewis hasn't featured in actually um, mm. and we've won both of them as well so that's one, Freddie Woodman it was indeed yes wow yeah time flies when you're having fun oh yeah we're having loads of fun um, I suppose though you know that job done we've got Dungeon United to look forward to on Sunday uh, live on the BBC thankfully for I know many of you will be delighted it's on BBC and not um, behind Premier's um, pay well you have to pay for Premier obviously they don't even do a pay-per-view option mm-hmm. um, you know that's kind of how the game went but I suppose we should kind of look at a few of the talking points um, do you want to start on Connor McLennan a man that you've staunchly supported it wasn't great, was it? It wasn't great. No. Um, couldn't cross a road
1: sort of springs to mind. <laughs> and I just keep telling myself he'll get better with time. He's still a young mm. lad. He's still learning the game. Uh, I've stuck up for Dean Campbell. I'll stick up for Conor Glenn. Just give him some time. He'll come good. I promise. Stick yeah, it, was Robbie, it was Robbie
0: Hanra's tweet for me that actually kind of summed him up perfectly. He's, he's an exciting but frustrating player to watch because his lack of awareness... It's excruciating at times. Um, he likes to run he run down rabbit holes, get himself lost. It's you know we've spoken about his brain and his feet not engaging and I think the way the game was going on Saturday night was he was just the game was passing him by the longer it went on and we looked so much more effective as soon as he as, as soon as he came off.
1: Probably true, but again, I'll say it. How it's not easy to have an effect on games when you're in and out of the team like no man's business. You need to get some sort of consistent, let's see, build up his confidence. He's obviously a confidence player. When we saw him come into the team in the first place, confidence was high, thought he was going to be brilliant. But now he's sort of in and out of the team, getting dropped from the bench, getting 20 minutes here and there. That's no use. It's no use at all.
0: No, we'll see what. What comes for him for the rest of the season. Um, My other area of concern for me was Ross McCrory at right back because we look really short there. I know we've sent our right back to Hearts on loan, Um, but Livingston were having a lot of joy down that, that side. Ross McCrory kind of looking a bit uncomfortable, and you think when we've got Celtic on Wednesday, Hibs in the race for third and all, another trip to Ibrox before the end of the season. You just think of the quality these teams have got. Like you think of Martin Boyle, Ryan Kent, Mohammed Ali Nusi. They're going to cause him all sorts of problems.
1: Yeah, I think you're right when he's I think uncomfortable is the word to use. Um I think tactically it's not his best position at all. I did like the energy he brought at right back, I suppose, getting up and mm-hmm. down uh that flank all day long, even uh, deep into uh, extra time and mm-hmm. step up and take that penalty, I suppose, as well. And um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not his position as it it really isn't. No. But I suppose when you're trying to get Dean Campbell, Ferguson and him mm-hmm. into the team, that sort of thing happens. I and mean, when you've got little other option, I suppose, too.
0: Yeah, because one of them's in Atlanta and the other one's in Edinburgh. So.
1: Yeah, one of them's a halfway up Arthur, Arthur's seat on a
0: Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, but I suppose as well, I don't know if these changes to the defensive lineups having an effect on Tommy Holman because there's something about him in recent weeks. It's almost like he's lost a bit of confidence mm. as well because he's a shadow of the player that we we saw in August and September time.
1: Yeah, it is deep concerning. turning. Maybe it is to do with um, so the recent change in system, the lack of consistency in lineup. But at the same time, he's been a defender all his life. He should know how to play in a back four. Um, mm. But maybe he is getting exposed with McCrory on that side. Well, I suppose that wouldn't excuse uh, the few past few games. But uh, mm-hmm. perhaps that's my excuse for Saturday.
0: Yeah, I did like the tweet though about if if Hobin's a Rolls Royce, then he's a Rolls Royce with 160,000 miles on the clock, given the performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, not the quickest runner either as well. He's, he looks a bit leggy. He looks a bit
0: leggy, does our Tommy Holman. Yeah, I mean, we knew he kind of was going to struggle with the heavy fixture load. Well, that was the excuse mm. at the, the beginning of the season, whether or not that's going to take its toll coming towards the business end now. Um, before we preview the midweek clash against Celtic, what, what's kind of your overriding feeling after Stephen Glass's first game in charge then? Positives to take?
1: Yeah, I'm excited, I think. Um, as I mentioned, I was actually entertained watching Aberdeen for once, which mm-hmm. is a big change. It's a big change. It's not been enjoyable this season, especially being at home. Um, I think I'm feeling confident about going forward, uh, about this sort of attacking brand of football. If, if it does pay off and we'll see what happens against Celtic if we go with that. Um, I'm buying into it, I feel like. I just I feel like I'm buying into it. Uh, he's mm-hmm. saying all the right things to you Off the park, I think I'm. I think I'm all for it. In all honesty, Glenn, what about you? What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was. You're you're right there. There was the excitement that we had for the first time in far too long this mm-hmm. season, with like you said, being stuck at home. But not only did for me it highlighted the work that is still kind of going to be left mm-hmm. for him to do in certain areas of the pitch. There we've discussed right back, probably in the forward area as well. You know, good point you made there. It always takes a, a change up top for us to to lead to scoring a goal. But I was also encouraged with only a few days' work that we do seem to kind of have changed some ideas in our attacking play and maybe are going to start posing a bit more threat from set pieces, which you, you look at Alan Russell coming in from there. So excitement certainly for next season, um, once they've you know had a full pre-season to work under, kind of put their own stamp on the squad. Um, but yeah, definitely positive. stick obviously still in the cup as well is, is the biggest positive.
1: Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. I think they mentioned the sort of the intensity as well that seemed to bring. And like I've mentioned it a few times, just three days as well, mm. and that's sort of we've seen sort of seen things paying off as well already. So I think can carry on doing so. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think this once he gets his own squad in as well, um, see how the recruitment goes. As you mentioned, up the top end of the park, that will be very, very interesting. Considering we're left mm-hmm. essentially striker list going into next season, that will be interesting. Um, yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm I'm feeling very hopeful.
0: Well, hopefully the excitement and hopefulness um, for this season and certainly into next can continue on Wednesday night. And, Calm, we're delighted to be joined by Colin Watt of the Football Insomniate podcast to preview Wednesday's game. Colin, welcome back to Red Tinted Glasses. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us again. Yeah, it's good to be back, boys. Yeah, your um, last appearance was certainly well received, so we're delighted for you to take the time in joining us again. Um, it's fair to say the Scottish Cup held mixed results for both of us um, Callum as we've just discussed you know about the Livingston um, the victory over them will this kind of give us confidence going into when th- when's the next game? Uh, I hope
1: so I hope so and <laughs> whenever I've seen Celtic um, sort of play badly like that, I've thought, always thought when we're about to play on, so oh we'll have a go at them they're not that good but I've seen it often enough. They'll take it out on us. That's the problem. That's what I'm worried about. Do you know? I Whether think we'll- you're.
2: I think you're all right here. I think Celtic's now in that mode where it's like when you go to work and you've only got a couple of days left before you leave for a new job, or you've only got a couple of days before you knock off to go on a two-week <laughs> holiday, and it's like you don't want to start anything new. You're not really that focused. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to concentrate on. You're spending ten minutes getting a coffee, uh, maybe four or five times that. There's absolutely nothing for Celtic to play for now. I honestly think, Aberdeen, knowing that you've got the battle going on for third place, you guys will be far more up for this game than what we will be in Wednesday. And I'm not anticipating Celtic getting a good result.
0: Well, that was what I was going to ask you, Colin. You know, obviously, Sunday was a game to forget in what's probably been a season to forget for Celtic as a whole. But I suppose from an Aberdeen point of view, we always see Celtic raise their game. Um, when they're on this poor run of form and it always happens to be Aberdeen that bear the brunt, but do you kind of expect that? You know, we touched on before recording, this will be the first season since 2010 that Celtic won't have won anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just just how how do Celtic
2: come into this game then? I mean, there was almost that sort of Right, kind of wave of confidence that Celtic were on for that period after Neil Lennon departed. We're sitting, kind of going, well, what, what would have happened if he'd left earlier? If Kennedy had maybe taken the team from Mm -hmm. January till the end of the season, would it have been closer? Would we have maybe given people a game? But then watching that game on Sunday, it was almost as if they didn't turn up. The Mm -hmm. four basically mega chances to score. I mean, it wasn't as if they were difficult. They weren't half chances. They were full-blown chances to put the ball in the back of the net and they couldn't take it. Kennedy couldn't make subs that would change the game. You look at the squad and I could go through the squad and when I did, I'm looking at potentially maybe five players out of that 20-man squad that's going to be at Celtic next season. Hmm. So coming up against you guys on Wednesday night, I'm sitting going, who are we actually going to play here? Who actually wants to turn up between now and the end of the season? You've got players that have got their mind on the Euros. You've got players that are already looking at their next club. And you've got players that just kind of want to go, well, I've been through this season. That's the restrictions season a wee bit. I quite fancy going on holiday. (laughs) So... It's going to be difficult for Kennedy to get the players kind of revved up for this game. Obviously, there is a bit of rivalry between Celtic and Aberdeen. It's been like that for a number of years now. Mm. Uh, I guess, are we going to call it the Scott Brown derby as of next season? Is that no, how it is? I we could do, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's. I think some players will be playing for the future. Others will be playing for the future elsewhere. And mm. I just don't know how much Celtic's going to raise their game for this. and. Aberdeen need the points more, and you've got to expect that Stephen Glass will put his team out there knowing what happened at the weekend and say, look, these boys are here for the taking. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it, Calum, and I, I
0: suppose that's kind of a fair point. We have something to play for it, and do you think with a new manager, we've got the confidence um, of coming behind twice at the weekend and then going on to get the victory? Can we use that? And as Colin says, you know, we need the points can we use that on Wednesday against a Celtic side severely lacking in confidence? I certainly hope so. We got the result that was needed over the weekend.
1: That was obviously, it was the most important thing to get through to the next round. Um, the players will know what's at stake in this mm-hmm. game. I'm sure Stephen Glass will make sure of that. And if we do play this exciting, attacking brand of football that he's been mentioning, and we do have a go at Celtic, a fragile Celtic side, particularly down mm-hmm. the wings, let's be honest,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: we've got every chance as our, this season as a whole has been our best chance I've got Celtic in years
0: we've not seen it yet is no. he the man to let make it happen I hope so yeah barring the 3-3 at Petordia where we did have a go but ultimately fell short in yeah. getting the win I mean my concern ahead of Wednesday immediately is Joel Lewis's fitness mm. um, and what that will mean to our, our defence because Gary Woods wasn't overly tested I don't think really on Saturday to kind of see what he's made of. But, you know, you said there, can we get down Celtic's wings? We certainly did that on Saturday. We showed a bit more attacking intent. Hopefully we can we can build on that, maybe a couple of training sessions and, and see what that leads to. But Colin, yourself and Natasha, both um, associated with a Celtic state of mind, both of you tweeted something similar at full time saying the rebuild for Celtic starts now. In what way does that rebuild start now? Do you feel that
2: there'll be a change to your starting eleven come Wednesday? I mean, I think the rebuild at Celtic is basically from the ground up. You're talking from players to management to staff behind the scenes. To I think the whole structure of the club is going to change over this summer. And I think it's something that has <clears> been <throat> desperately needed for the last couple of years now. Um, we've seen it already today. Dominic Mackay comes in. Um, Been given his guided tour by Peter Lawwell today, we believe. So he's probably sitting down having a couple of biscuits watching this later on. Um, But no, I think that there could be a couple of changes to the side on uh, Wednesday night. I think you've got to take a look at players that are definitely going to be there next season just to see what kind of value you've got in them um, and see if it's worth kind of looking to move them on or worth keeping them in the side. There's other players that could potentially just have their loan deals cancelled tomorrow and not a lot of Celtic fans would care. Mm-hmm. Um, Diego Laxalt's performance against Rangers at the weekend was was shambolic, <laughs> to say the least. I, I think it was a big surprise to see him start over Greg Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd expect Taylor to to get his jersey back for the game on Wednesday night. Um, um, when I look at the team, I'm, I'm going to kind of give a predicted team. Whether this is the team that Celtic pick or not, I don't know. But I can see us going with Barkas and goal. Anthony Ralston at right back. Welsh and are at centre-half with Greg Taylor, Sorrow, Brown, Forrest, Turnbull, Johnston and Griffiths. So that's the team I could maybe see coming up against Aberdeen Wednesday.
0: Some really wholesale change, and I suppose for a player like Greg Taylor, like you said, you know, fighting for the Euros, he's probably looking at that, you know, maybe just to to get into the squad at least,
2: I suppose his position of left-back is very well covered in the Um, national team, but... You say that, but I mean, you take a look at this Super League that's just been announced mm. and maybe mm. Robertson and Tierney won't qualify for the Scotland squad this summer. Yeah, very <laughs> true. And I suppose
0: while there's maybe question marks surrounding Kieran Tierney's mm. fitness as well, uh, obviously with, with the knee injury picked up. But there's one name that I was surprised, Cam, um, I don't know if you picked up on it, Scott Brown starting. I wasn't sure if we would maybe see him, as you know, Colin said, in this potential Scott Brown derby
2: match. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be very, very interesting. We'd say that was, but... I mentioned Diego Laxall, by the way. Sorry, I know you mentioned the Super League. How's how's that man on the books? At AC Milan. There's not a chance he's going to be playing the Super League for them. But, um, I think I think that yeah it would be interesting. If Scott Brown plays. Um, see how he does. Obviously, he didn't have the best of games over the weekend. He got sent to the shops a couple of times by Ryan Ryan Kent. Um, it's a very just a very interesting saga, and that
0: would just be another twist in the tale, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think you know it'd be interesting if that predicted lineup that you've given Colin does kind of bear fruit because. It's, it's a young side, but also kind of looking from an Aberdeen point of view of players out of contract. It's a Celtic team that would have something to prove. You look mm-hmm. at Lee Griffiths, who's not obviously had many minutes this season. Transfer speculation obviously has been rife around him as well. So uh, even in, in defence, you know, Welsh has been impressive when he, he's filled in. Ralston's probably not lived up to his potential after laughing in Neymar's face. But <laughs> it should be, it, it's kind of, like you said, it's got for Celtic a end-of-season feel to it yep. and for Aberdeen a game with with importance. And certainly if we can pick up three points, it, it very much keeps the race for third alive, Callum. And we all know the importance that that's going to have come the end of the season um, with the potential for a guaranteed group stage in Europe whatever that's going to look like <laughs> who knows what competition it could be in by that time honestly
1: but yeah it, it, our games to be coming thick and fast now and with ever increasing importance really at this stage uh, absolutely huge but the thing is the feeling around Celtic fans seems to be from what I can gather from Colin especially how we sort of felt a couple of weeks ago sort of apathy just like get this season done now mm-hmm. get it done get it out of the way whereas now we're up for it it's interesting
2: yeah. I think when you good. take a look at it as well, Hibs are playing Livingston on Wednesday night. And mm-hmm. if Livingston play anything, I mean, I think they played better against Aberdeen at the weekend than what they did against Celtic the week before. Mm-hmm. But Hibs will be looking at that as a chance to pick up the three points. Mm-hmm. And if Aberdeen don't pick up the three points, you're left with a gap of seven points We only nine to play for. You guys have still got to play Hibs and Rangers. It's, it just makes it that bit even more difficult. So you've got to look at this game to say, well... Celtic are coming in to it, they're, they're kind of down, they've got nothing to play for. You've got to give it everything. Mm-hmm. It may play into Celtic's hands that we've not got to try and break down 10 men, as what happened against Livingston a couple of weeks ago. But you've got to take that risk because the reward, if it comes through, is definitely more worth it than not having a go at all.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent and I think that would be the biggest frustration for us and, and it has been many times when we've faced Celtic is, is not having a goal. And I think as you said with the points difference, even the goal difference just now probably is an extra point for Hibs mm-hmm. So for me this is really a must win if we want to keep any faint and I, st- I do still believe it is a faint hope um, of third place alive. but you know we haven't beaten Celtic in our in our last 13 games with one nil nil draw. Um, in there conceding 25 in those 13 games so stopping Celtic from scoring is going to have to be of big importance and, and Calm, if Joe Lewis doesn't play how big a loss will that be for us?
1: Could be a huge loss Joe Lewis not playing we know what he's capable of um, between the sticks Gary Woods came in did okay didn't have, wasn't tested too much his distribution though did look pretty good but um, try to keep a lid on Celtic's attacking uh, players would be huge um, especially Odds Edwards slagged him off at the weekend called him a poor man slow Berry. berry uh, I'm beginning to regret that now we'll <laughs> probably see uh, that come back to bite me in the bum but depends I suppose if Griffith starts a man with a point to prove too um, Very concerned. but if, I'm still thinking if we ever go to them they've got to come out no if we go to them they've got they could hit us in the break that's what I'm yeah. worrying about that's what I I'm really scared about because they could just pick us off with ease
0: yeah, and we saw how easily um, J. Manuel Thomas ran through our, mm-hmm. our team at one point, and you, that's before you take in Elianusi, who against Livingston was absolutely clinical. Ryan Christie, well, it depends if he can hit the target or not, because we know how erratic his shooting can be. Mm-hmm. But Celtic have just got that bit of quality all over the pitch that if we do allow them to break, we could, we could very easily be punished. Um, we did see on Saturday, as we've we've spoken about already, Callum, the old guard coming to, to fruition and the experienced heads of Niall McGinn and um, getting a goal and assist. How crucial do you think they'll be in this game? Um Niall McGinn, a player that I always question against Celtic whether he's fully committed. <laughs> <laughs> has been anonymous over the years, but if he does want to sort of keep up the same sort of
1: form um, as he did over the weekend, that would be very much welcome, especially after We've maybe not been that complimentary of him on this show. Likewise, Johnny Hayes uh, putting a bit of performance also against his former club too. Uh, it'll be interesting. But the experience could prove vital because the rest of the squad is a pretty young team. We've got the uh, youngsters been bleeding them in, and um, their experience could be vital.
0: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, the team that you've predicted, Colin, um, it'll be interesting to see what changes we make if uh, Jack McKenzie comes back in at left-back That'll be a big challenge for him. We've seen Ross McCrory filling it right back on Saturday. I don't really think he's suited to that role. So there's probably areas of the pitch that Celtic could look to exploit, Colin.
2: Yeah, I think it'll all depend on the fitness of James Forrest. If James Forrest can get himself fit for the game on Wednesday night, he will make a big difference. Mm -hmm. You saw at the weekend the fact that Celtic didn't have that width. They couldn't attack Rangers down the, the sides. You saw Patterson, although he grew into the game, at the first sort of 20, 30 minutes, he looked kind of like you could have a go at him and he might kind of struggle a bit. certainly didn't have that width and they've not had it all season. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at an Aberdeen side, which is struggling to look at the full backs and kind of fill in the gaps there, if you can get James Forrest and perhaps Mikey Johnson, even Elanussi, down both of those channels to play the balls in and you get the ball to an Edward or a Griffiths, you get that ball at their feet, there's a good chance they're going to stick it in the back of the net. The thing that's kind of I would be concerned that if I was an Aberdeen fan, as the goal ratio that like you were talking about. You're talking yeah. about a team that's maybe on. I think it's it's 33 goals in 34 league games this season. Yeah, it's that, not not great. The fact that you're you're not even averaging a goal a game. Mm-hmm. If you go a goal behind, are you going to get back into it? The, the stats would say no. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I suppose it's it's a good point because it was going to be a question I was going to pose to you, Colin, but I'll I'll pose it to Callum first. Given that we went behind not once but twice on on Saturday, do you think that will help us if we were to go behind against Celtic? You know, we've got that confidence, and we know we can get back. But psychologically, against an opposition that we've previously struggled. Exactly what I was thinking. It it must give that sort of belief that we can
1: come from behind. A bit of mental toughness there, but against Celtic, it's a whole different story. Given the amount of time, given the quality they have, first of all, and the amount of times over the years we have gone to go behind and
0: completely crumbled, it's worrying. But they've got to put that behind them now. And yeah, and I think for me, if you look at kind of the chances that Livingston kind of missed or didn't capitalise on that's not the sort of chances you can give up to a team of Celtic because Livingston maybe missed three or four of them. Celtic might miss one or two. Mm-hmm. There's a higher percentage of the quality of players that Celtic have, like you said, like Lee Griffiths, Edward, even Mikey Johnson on his day. They've just got that little bit of quality that can that can punish, punish teams. So Colin, my question for you is going to be, given the record that Celtic have over Aberdeen, After Sunday's disappointment, are we almost the perfect opposition for you to come up against?
2: (laughs) I guess in normal situations it would be. um, Because you do, both sides, the teams, the players raise their games. You always see it. I mean, Aberdeen could be on a 10-game losing streak. Come to Celtic Park and it would be a fantastic game because it would be end to end and it would be really Mm. close. And it's the same with Celtic as well. Um, The problem, I think, with Celtic at the minute, as I said earlier, they're almost in holiday mode the, the mm-hmm. season's done, there's nothing to play for, can they actually be bothered to raise their game to get up to that level that's going to be required to to defeat Aberdeen? That's the bit I'm not sure about and that's where I think the changes would need to come in to freshen it up, to give guys that are maybe looking to get spots in the Euro squad like Taylor, like Forrest a chance to impress, mm-hmm. um, guys like Sorrow, who's maybe playing for his future. Scott Brown's probably got a point to prove that he's still switched on at Celtic, even though he's going to be playing for Aberdeen next season. Yeah. There's a lot of players there that are probably playing for the future in the team that I've predicted. I don't mm-hmm. know if that'll be the team that yeah. plays. What you do have to look at is the last time Celtic were in this scenario, um, when we came up against Aberdeen, we lost. That was the game. That was the game. Mm-hmm. Was it Considine that scored the yeah, winner? 1-0, well, yeah. So all it, it just it does show you that if Celtic switch off, Aberdeen have the ability to do it. So I, I'm concerned about the game on Wednesday. Hmm. Get to Wednesday, I might be a bit more confident when I see the team line come out. Um, yeah. But, but right now, and I don't even know if I'll be able to see it. I, I hear it's on Red TV, twelve ninety nine on Red TV.
0: Yeah, um, pay-per-view package out there, obviously free to those of you that are Aberdeen season ticket holders um, as well. So, um,
2: you can send me a login, Glenn.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> I'll just do a Zoom. We can we can screen share it. We'll go live during the game. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Um. It's interesting though you bring up that that game, which was I, th- I think actually was our last victory over Celtic, because in that game we needed t- to win to secure second place, and uh, obviously Rangers had that roller coaster game at Easter Road, but it, likewise this is going to be a game where a win will help us reach potentially third place. So, and I think for us as well, we're still learning what Stephen Glass is going to bring to the side what his tactics are going to be so Callum I don't know about you but it's probably still I'm so used to McInnes's setting off (laughs) Celtic that I I can't really get too excited about the prospect of taking Celtic on
1: yeah, I mean, it will, uh, we obviously don't know what's to come, but if we do have a go at them, it will take a bit of getting used to, won't it? Um, and mm-hmm. But we saw, I, I was entertained from the game against Livingston, which i have not been mm-hmm. entertained for a long time. That's after three days uh, on the training pitch with Stephen Glass, so we can only hope yeah. for a little bit better and with a little bit more time. But I, still, there is that apprehension just from the past couple of years. Just, it's just natural, to be honest. Yeah,
0: and just the, the amount of hurt that Celtic have inflicted mm-hmm. in years and years of... <laughs> cup finals alone let alone league as we were discussing before before recording um, that that league under Ronnie Dyle as well Um, now you we've touched on Scott Brown and whilst we've got you Colin it would be rude not to kind of hear a Celtic opinion on the whole Scott Brown saga Mm -hmm. obviously ending his 14 years at the club and and joining Aberdeen as a a player coach were you surprised Celtic kind of didn't push the boat out to keep him
2: I think Scott Brown falls into the same scenario as the sort of Johnny Hayes, the Craig Gordon of last season now, as we look at it, um, where Celtic had this idea of probably just offering them a one-year contract with a reduced amount of wages, whereas both of those players took the stability. I think, has Hayes got a three-year deal at Aberdeen? Is it two years, three years? I think it was, is it? I thought it was two Well, we've got no
1: idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Um, No, but either way, um, it's the stability of having that extra period on your contract. and that opportunity at Aberdeen to get into a coaching role, I guess he'll be the assistant coach to Stephen Glass there at Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, whilst having that influence of being on the park, whether he'll take the captain's role, I don't know what your guys thoughts would be on that. Um, but definitely, I mean, when you take if you take the whole idea that it's Scott Brown out of the equation, if you're offered a player that's won 10 league titles, all these trophies, he's captained his country and his club, Um, he's coming to the end of his career but he's still got something to offer the side considering the amount of games that he's played for us this season it is a no-brainer but the problem is with a lot of Scottish football it's Scott Brown so he's the pantomime villain everybody's out to hate him but I tell you what he's the kind of player you want on your side and not Mm -hmm. um, playing against so I think Aberdeen fans although at first will kind of be like, ah, Scott Brown. They've got this history. Once you see the performances he puts in, he's ninety minutes committed on the part to the team he's playing for, and that's all you can ask for. Um, I think he's not as influential as he was a couple of seasons ago, but he'll still be a good addition to that Aberdeen side.
0: And and do you think he will be able to play large part of next season, or do you think we would see maybe him just uses it kind of for experience games such as European
2: campaigns and, and cup competitions? I think if the structure of the games changes this season, sorry, next season as opposed to this season, where he was potentially playing three games in a week, Mm -hmm. he was playing 90 minutes week in, week out, and they were relying on him in the heart of that midfield to um, stop the attacks, to sort of build their own, then you'll definitely get probably 30, 35 games out of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess the intensity at Aberdeen, um, without being too disrespectful, will be, a bit lower than what it would be playing for Celtic. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Aberdeen want to win as many games as they can, but they know they're not they're not going to win week in, week out. Whereas at Celtic, that's sort of expected for you to win yeah. week in, week out. Sometimes, depending on who the fans are, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're expected mm-hmm. to win as a Celtic player. Um, sure. So I think if he can bring that mentality to the Aberdeen squad, that is probably a, a really good addition. Um, if you can encourage players that will go oh it's 1-1 we're happy with the points no 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 you want the three points um, because that's what his career's been built on I think you'll get 30 games out of him next season at least Um, I don't know where he'll fit into the squad as it attains to um, captaincy and stuff like that but I guess Mm. he's got that assistant manager's position Um, and maybe he can Get my wee pal Lewis Ferguson to stop getting so many yellow cards because he picked one up at the weekend knowing that I'd be on here with you boys this week. <laughs> and
0: I think Calum, that's that's kinda interesting to hear. You know, we've discussed it once once the news kind of kinda came out, was the mentality and having a mm. Scott Brown mentality throughout the whole team because There has been question marks over our midfield being too soft Mm -hmm. um, and how how much that will will help. And I also think he'll be a big benefit to the likes of Dean Campbell in developing his career um, throughout. But on the captaincy, do you think he'll be captain next season? Um, I don't think so I hope. I kind of hope not but um,
1: <laughs> I don't know I think maybe he's probably got enough of a leadership role that without that he probably doesn't need it and if, there's obviously the question marks over how many games he'll actually start um, I've got a feeling he might be a bit of a more of a role player than we uh, expect sort of dipping in as and when that's sort of needed um, mm-hmm. but the, his potential influence on as you mentioned guys like Campbell, Ferguson if he's still there, McCrory Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they need. As you yeah. said, they have been a bit have been a bit soft in the midfield, and he's sort of got that win at all costs attitude and mentality that we've probably not seen since Shinny left, and he obviously even to a greater extent than Shinny mm-hmm. even had, uh, given yeah. his success, uh, Scott Brown's success. I mean, so it has the potential to be very, very positive, even if it's not directly from him, but from his influence over others. That's mm-hmm. possibly what we're looking at.
0: Yeah and I suppose in kind of what Colin kind of mentions there about Lewis Ferguson's bookings Jeez. with the way Scott Brown kind of runs the rule over the referees he's probably going to be able to help him avoid <laughs> bookings next season but Colin I can't remember if it was yourself that was on A Celtic State of Mind discussing was it using Lee Griffiths as a, a weight in terms of transfer for Lee Griffiths?
2: Yeah it was- for Lewis Ferguson, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Lewis yeah. Ferguson, yeah. Yeah, so that that was put put out there. Um, and have sort of read the reports on that. For me, I, I really don't think Lewis Ferguson has the ability, and I'm probably losing every sort of credence <laughs> I had with <laughs> any other Beam fans that's watching. I don't think he, he has that ability to step up to a Celtic order Rangers. Um, I think you've seen that with a lot of these players who have a big bit of hype about them. Um, and they take a while to settle in. I mean, I've been impressed, I suppose, with Ryan Jack and how he's made that transition. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, for every Ryan Jack, there's an Andy Halliday. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I I just have that feeling that when you've got the Ferguson name, if you move to Rangers, you've got all that pressure on you. You've got to Mm -hmm. live up to the rest of your family. um, And that's on you from day one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's Celtic, I mean, where does he fit into that Celtic side? You're talking that you hope to keep maybe McGregor, Turnbull there you're not going to give him the minutes that he needs to develop. I think he's better suited at Aberdeen and then if he does make the move, I think he'd be better moving down south.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with all of that. I don't really see where he would fit into to Celtic. Um, I, I do see what you're saying about Ryan Jack and O's, a sensitive subject for many Aberdeen fans, <laughs> but I do think he'll be a big loss for Scotland at the Euros. Uh, I know yeah. many disagree with that just purely because of who he is. But if you look at kind of the role he's filled for Scotland I know Natasha said that hopefully that would see David Turnbull kind of step up for a place but Turnbull doesn't have the role that Ryan Jack does No. so we're kind of missing a defensive minded midfielder but on Lee Griffiths do you think
2: he'll still be at Celtic next season? I don't think so, no I think his time has came I believe he's out of contract in the summer as well so that's a potential freebie for a lot of teams to come in and to snap him up. We were speaking before we came on there about the the season he scored forty goals. That basically was the difference between Celtic and Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. But that's that's five years ago. That. Yeah. Pro- that's the last time I've really seen a Lee Griffiths. That was completely um, firing, and inspiring, and banging in the goals. He's just not got mm-hmm. to that level. Um, I know Callum, you mentioned that the two goals against England, and everybody <laughs> will look back to that. But that was was that not his first two goals for his country as well? Yeah. So yeah. it does show that you're either getting a fantastic striker that knows where the back of the net is, or you're getting someone who his career's just kind of not hit the heights that it really should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been a fantastic servant to Celtic, he's got over 100 goals. If he wants to extend his career, I think it would be out with Celtic because he'd be a bit of a bit part player, which he has been for the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. I suppose, calm looking at who
0: we've now got on the coaching staff, Alan Russell, who's worked with Alexa, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford and, and whatnot, maybe having someone like him on board would appeal if Lee Griffiths does choose to leave Celtic it might make us an attractive option. Obviously, he'll have his friend Scott Brown at the club as well. I, I just feel with having Russell on board, we we've got that sort of appeal to that area of the pitch which we have lacked in massively this season. 100% got a very, very good CV, Alan Russell, given
1: the people he's worked with. Um, and also Lee Griffiths, 100% I'd take it by Aberdeen. He's clinical. That's what, we've missed that probably since Adam Rooney left. And even then, <laughs> Lee Griffiths on his day, obviously far more capable than Adam Rooney in terms of football in sense. Um, We'd definitely take it 100%. And also a move away from central belt for him could be good. It could be what he mm-hmm. needs to, you know, maybe get things going again. Away from that sort of pressure, sort of fishbowl that is Glasgow, where it's all eyes on Celtic Rangers mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Am, yeah. I right
2: in, am I right in saying that Ferguson's a top scorer this season with eight goals? Yeah, hey, you are, yes. And I don't think he's scored since like
1: November as well or something like that
2: ridiculous. Yeah. That, o- October. That's <laughs> a massive concern. When you've mm-hmm. not got a striker that can at least get you ten goals, mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. uh, we we spoke about G Manuel Thomas earlier, and a Livingston side he's even managed to bang in seven goals this season, mm-hmm.
0: and as well for Lewis Ferguson, a lot of his goals have been penalties as well. Yeah, so, but no, on Lee Griffiths, I, I definitely agree. If we can get. Obviously, you know, he's had his struggles off the field. If they could be flattened out, there's no doubt. And I think there was a game earlier this season away at St Johnston where he came on as a late substitute. Yeah. I think Celtic were losing that game and he came on. Uh,
2: yeah, it was nothing each and then was he it nothing scored. Each, was then was it? Yeah, he scored, scored ahead
0: scored, yeah. and then And that's the, what we're lacking, a striker that needs that one opportunity and bags it, whereas we've seen... Throughout, even we saw in evidence at the weekend with Flo Camberry needed a couple of chances before finally putting something away it, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks um, and also on Wednesday can we build on that confidence and take in into Wednesday's game and build on one victory and, and hopefully improve in the race for third and, and will we or won't we see a reaction from Celtic, will they have their minds on another trip to Dubai, who knows <laughs>
2: I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> no.
0: Well, Colin, thank you very much again for um, taking your time to to come and join us on Red Tinted Glasses. And where can folk that obviously, if they this is the first time hearing you, they can listen to your weekly podcast,
2: The Football Insomniac. Yeah, so we're live on A State of Minds. We've moved to Friday's at tea time, so prime time on A State of Minds YouTube channel. Um, I've now got a new co-host in Callum McFadden from yeah. Ka- uh, from Football CFB. So check that out at the, on Friday's. Uh, there's a interview just went up in the last few days with Paul Lambert looking back at his career, which is doing really well. So if you want to check that out. And I'm on Twitter at Colin88Watt.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and that's a great uh, coup getting Paul Lambert on for that interview. And it's on my list of things to to listen to for the rest of the day, uh, along with my podcasts. Um, so, Callum, thanks again for for joining me. And Colin, thanks for joining us both.
2: Thanks very much for having us, guys.
0: Yep, thank you very much, Colin. And thank you very much for you tuning in
1: at home whether it's listening or watching. If you're listening, make sure to follow us wherever you're doing so. Follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast 2 and subscribe on YouTube with notifications on. Leave a comment down below. Let us know all your thoughts and leave a like on the video if you enjoyed it as well.